stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comics Catch Up. It's the show where the two hosts of War Rocket Ajax Matt Wilson and Chris Sims. That's us. I'm Chris. I'm Matt. 
we read comics that we need to catch up on as chosen by you, the listener. And I do not remember if it was my turn to start this time, but Matt, I did it. I took the initiative. It it was your turn. It's all is well, all is good. Okay, good, good. We have a fun one this time around. Based on your votes on War Rocket Pod on Twitter, we were asked to read Batman The Adventures Continue, issues one through eight, over uh, on Comixology, because it is a DC Digital First book. And this brings together all the uh, all the big names from Batman the Animated Series and specifically the Batman Adventures, the comic adaptation of Batman the Animated Series. Because we've got uh, Paul Dini on the writing duties here, and Alan Burnett, two writers from the television show, and uh, Ty Templeton covering art duties here. Yeah, Ty Templeton, who very uh, famously drew, well, probably not as famous as he should be for it, but he drew my favorite issue of Batman uh, Adventures in uh, 1993, uh, which is my favorite Joker story of all time. High uh, praise. It's, it's Batman Adventures number three. Yeah, I've read a lot of them. So, Also on colors on this book is Monica Kubina, who does an incredible job. Now, it's worth noting... The visual style of the book is more Batman and Robin adventures than Batman the Animated Series. It's it's that kind of Batman. Yeah, that was actually one of the one of the few kind of bummers for me about this book. One of the very few, I would say. In that like I really wish I really wish they would have put Batman in his real clothes, Matt. Yeah, that's fair. This is this is the later era Batman from Batman and Robin Adventures. But it does make a degree of sense because from the get-go here, we're crossing over with Superman the animated series. Because we've got Lex Luthor in the first issue. And then, spoiler warning, Superman is here, starting in issue two. That is really good, too. Like, I... Obviously, you would not be listening to this if you did not... uh, If you weren't at least a little bit cool with spoilers, but just in case, I am gonna really get into spoiler territory here. I wish this series would have been more of that more like just kind of standalone adventures with Batman doing stuff that we didn't really see the animated Batman doing a whole lot, like fighting Lex Luthor and not what it ended up being because we, we uh, said we were only going to read the first eight. I wound up reading the whole thing. Uh, now, it, now that you bring that up, Chris, do you think the whole series, which I believe is 17, installments 17 chapters yes is that all one story because here's the thing i thought for sure 
after reading the first two and then starting issue three, which brings in Deathstroke, that these were distinct stories. But then, then something happens in that second story that ties it back into the first, where we find out that Lex Luthor actually hired Deathstroke to get revenge on Batman for freeing Superman from his crime robot. <laughs> his awesome Max Fleischer crime robot that he yeah. has. Yeah. The book is divided up into, there are four story arcs in this book, which all have title cards, by the way, which is, was an excellent touch. Very good. Truly I, I excellent like, touch. I like it a lot. Yeah. There's Hardware, which is the opening story. Hardware uh, where Superman is trapped inside a crime robot. Inside Lex Luthor's crime robot, yes. And Batman makes his own bat robot to fight the crime robot. Well, it's, his, it's his Dark Knight Returns armor. Yes. Which is fun. There's Mentors, which is the story with Deathstroke, which I actually really, really liked. And I want to get into that when we talk about it, but it's, I thought that was really solid. It's, I like the twist. Then, and those are what? Those are like four issues each? Or four uh, chapters each? Three uh, four chapters each? The first one is just two. Okay. Because uh, the third one is Red Sun Rising, and that is that is like six parts. Six or seven. That's essentially the rest of the book. I th- the, the final story is a Christmas story called Secret Santa, which is also really good. Uh, but Red Sun Rising takes up some room. I believe, as I'm going through, I believe that hardware, hardware is just two parts. Then Mentors is four? And you did skip one, I believe. You skipped the Azrael story. Oh, right. I, I did. I forgot the Azrael story, which is also pretty fun. The Azrael story is The Darker Night, which is, <laughs> sure which, is. which is two parts. And then I guess the rest of the run is uh, Red Sun, which is, or Red Sun Rising, which is a Jason Todd story. Yeah. Which is seeded very early on in, I think it might even be seeded in Hardware. It is. Jason Todd is following the Bat family around from page one of this. It doesn't really say who he is. And I look, I only read the eight, so I don't know what happens in Red Sun Rising. But it, it doesn't really give an indication of how Jason Todd can exist for this Batman. I guess there is a bit of like a, a time jump between... Batman the Animated Series and uh, the Batman and Robin Adventures, where we have Tim Drake. So, buddy, presumably you're talking Jason, to the right person if you want to know. Okay, presumably. So, so it does explain that. Yes, there is a one-year time jump between uh, the end of. Batman the Animated Series, or the Batman and Robin Adventures, and the start of the new Batman and Robin Adventures, which is the move from Fox Kids to Kids WB. That time, however, was previously filled in by a four-issue miniseries called Batman Adventures, The Lost Year. There's some stuff that happens in that that is ignored in this, which I am very happy about. Mm -hmm. But the, the funniest thing that happens... And this is a joke that's actually used in this story. Uh, there's a bit where 
we get Jason Todd's origin, and then Tim Drake, who is Robin, goes, man, that sounds, that's just like my story. Like, it's very funny. <laughs> because animated Tim Drake is Jason Todd. He has the Jason Todd origin story. He doesn't have the Tim Drake origin story. Right, yeah. Okay, so my question is, Chris, yes. is this all one story? Would this perhaps be divided into two stories, the first eight issues and then Red Sun Rising? How, how should we divide this up? Because maybe we want to rank it by the individual arcs. I feel like hardware mentors and the Azrael story are somewhat distinct from each other, even though they have elements that flow through. Hardware and mentors are probably the most connected. The Azrael story is not as connected. And then it wraps it all up with the Jason Todd stuff. So I'm curious what you think as to how how we should handle what is the story here, or what are the stories? I had a conversation uh, this past week with uh, uh, Kevin Maroney, friend of the show, who mentioned, like, he was like, oh, I wish you hadn't just ranked all of Starman, because I really would have liked to hear you talk about the individual stories. And one of the things that I said was, there's enough there that I think it's one story, but more importantly, there's no significant rise or dip in quality. Like, it's a very consistent book. I think, story-wise, you can chop this up into the stuff that's not about Jason Todd, the stuff that is about Jason Todd, and the Christmas story. Qualitatively, I think if we said, this is one story, we could get away with that. Because there is a narrative through line through the whole thing. Like, there's... there's uh, yeah. One thing does lead to another in a very sort of first 200 issues of Spider-Man way. Yeah. I, I, I could see an argument for both. I could see an argument for it is all one story or these are distinct stories. If, if you think it's all one, then that is fine with me. I think we it's... It's 17 digital chapters, which means it's like six issues. And I think we can call that one story. Okay. I think, I think we can call it one. I think we can rank it as one. But because here's the thing I think we can talk about it all because I do think it all leads into itself. Yeah, it does seed a lot of stuff. The, the Lex Luthor stuff goes throughout. Jason Todd is there throughout the the Azrael story and everything. So if you all if you want to make it all one story, that's fine. Now, I must note, I didn't read the whole thing. <laughs> I I read the eight issues we were told to read by listeners in the poll. Uh, so I may be at a bit of a loss as to exactly what else to what to say for the second half of it. But I assume the quality stays fairly consistent as well. Quality wise, it is very consistent uh, throughout the whole thing. It is, it is pretty much all of the same level of quality, which I should say is good. Uh, so how do you want to do this? Matt? Do you just want to get into what the deal is with this? 
Like what what happens in the comic? Sure. You mentioned at the beginning, it is Paul Dini, Alan Burnett, uh, and Ty Templeton. Going into this, I had I did not know who had done this book. And one of the things I was worried about is that we were going to crack this thing open and it was not the people who had worked on it previously. Because as much as I think it is a it's not always a great idea for creators to go backwards. You know, like that goes bad on them way more than it goes well. But I feel like, you know, the the thought that I had going into this was, I mean, you know, Kelly Puckett's still out there. Ty Templeton's still out there. Uh, Mike Parabek, RIP, sadly. But, you know, Rick Burchett is still out there. I got a page from, I got two pages from him on my wall. So I was glad to see when I opened it up that it was, it was the people that you kind of wanted it to be, you know? I don't think this works unless you have the people doing the thing, uh, who, who did the thing before doing yeah. it. I, maybe you could make it work, but it's a lot easier to swallow because it is such a specific type of storytelling and people are so familiar with these characters uh, and these versions of the characters that that having somebody else do it, I think, would feel off. That said, there are things in this that do feel off, I think, because it's not the cartoon. They can get away with a little bit more. So we have, I think it's Harvey Bullock or somebody talking about Firefly planning to do a 9-11 yeah, it's weird to think about 9-11 happening in that world, isn't it? Isn't it? That that made me flip for a minute. Maybe this animated Batman comic mentioned 9-11. Maybe in that world, 9-11 is when Darkseid came to Earth, and he had like, <laughs> Superman all chained up, and he killed Dan Turpin. <laughs> You're like, wow, we will remember this day forever. Never forget the death of Dan Turpin. But it's, that's wild. That's the one thing that like really, really stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I mean, there are other things where it's just maybe like slightly more violent than the cartoon would have been. But like the Batman Adventures did that to a degree as well. Yeah, and it's not as violent as the uh, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker movie, which I feel like the, at the time that it came out, I was like, "Wow, cool, dark," but like even five years later and especially now i'm like too dark way too dark that yeah it feels false uh in a in a way that is is a real bummer the particularly weird thing chris about the 9-11 thing is that these characters to me are perpetually stuck in 1992 to 1995 yeah and a version of 1992 to 1995 that is actually the 1940s yes so the Art the, Deco early nineties. Yeah, so the, the they would even exist after an event called nine eleven fucked me up. Yeah, and and, and that like like not to not to get all JMS about it, but that they wouldn't have stopped it. Yeah, and and where did nine eleven occur in 
a world that has a Gotham City and a Metropolis. Yeah. It's like mentioning it raises too many questions. It really it really does. That's a that is a a line that could have been sent back to the to the drawing board on that. Yeah. I I mean look, it's it's a relatively minor thing, but it it uh, certainly caught my attention, I must say. The that said, the rest of it like story-wise is like really well done, I feel like. We talked about the first story which is a lot of like Bruce Wayne Lex Luthor stuff which turns into Batman Lex Luthor stuff where Lex Luthor is in his real clothes where he's wearing his green armor mm-hmm. and then Batman fights Lex Luthor's crime robot with his Batman robot and or well his Dark Knight Returns armor and it's very good uh, I, I really like that for a story and the way it turns out the second story feels like a completely unrelated Deathstroke story where Deathstroke shows up and starts mentoring Tim Drake specifically and like starts letting Tim Drake do stuff that Batman won't because Batman's you know very strict like it's a school night you can't go fight crime tonight and Deathstroke's like I'll let you fight crime and we're going to go fight Firefly how about that? A thing that I really, really loved about that story was that when Deathstroke is trying to get in with uh, the Batman family, with, with Robin and, and Batgirl, and especially around Robin, he talks like Adam West Batman. He does. It's <laughs> very funny. <laughs> He's doing a lot of, like... Play acting, which is which is funny. I he does it around Lex Luthor too, because you know about halfway through, we discover that Lex Luthor has hired Deathstroke to get in with the Bat family, and also that the Firefly that we've been seeing this whole time is not actually Firefly. It's Deathstroke's henchwoman slash assistant, Sonny. Henchwoman slash assistant slash hopefully nothing after the second slash. Yeah, let's let's keep it at two slashes. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking for what Deathstroke actually says that made me realize uh, he was doing a doing an Adam West impression. It was oh, they're in a museum. They're fighting Firefly. Uh, he's obviously burning the museum down because Firefly's going to steal all the bugs from the museum, which is extremely. Batman 66 plot point to begin with. Yeah. But Robin says, shouldn't the sprinklers be going off? And Deathstroke says, obviously our fastidious bug has dismantled them. (laughs) Very fun. It's good. Uh, Time to face justice, Garfield. The 9-11 sort of plot that this Firefly, who's not actually a Firefly, has is to blow up the uh, Tri-State Dam, which is another Batman 66 sort of plot, kind of. Yeah. And and essentially black out the entire Eastern Seaboard. But Batman notices pretty quickly that the number, the amount of explosives that they have isn't the right... It, it's not enough to do what they're trying to do. And he he clues into the fact that this is all a trick. This is all fakery to woo 
uh, young Robin away from Batman uh, to kind of like break up the Bat family uh, on on Deathstroke's behalf. And uh, hilariously, uh, it all ends. The whole thing ends with uh, well, Deathstroke is on fire. Uh, he get, he gets set on fire in some of the d- damn action, and he kind of laughs in Matt language. Please, S- sorry. I know this is a this is despite the heightened violence. This is still an all ages book. But uh, finally, after he's on fire, he's like, "You can't hurt me with fire. I have a Kevlar suit." And then Batman just throws a fire extinguisher in his head. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Hey, what do you think the three states are that the Tri-State Dam supplies power to, Matt? Hmm. Well, there's Gotham State, obviously. Gotham State. So it's probably Gotham State, Calisota, and Delmarva. I think they. I think you got it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got it. What state is Metropolis supposed to be in? Depending on who you ask, uh, the official DC Universe uh, RPG guidebook puts it in Delaware. So the real state of Delaware is yes. where Metropolis is. Uh, with Gotham in, it puts Gotham in Jersey. It puts uh, Metropolis in Delaware. Obviously, it puts uh, Star City in Washington State. Uh, my favorite, though, Opal City, South Carolina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it because they because they make it Charleston. <laughs> Which makes sense if you read that book, but also it's hilarious to imagine Jack Knight talking like I do. Yes, the Chris Isaac, man, damn. I always imagined Metropolis. I always imagined that Gotham City was on the East Coast, and Metropolis was in the Midwest somewhere. Which would make it make more sense for Superman to be constantly going back and forth from Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a thing on Smallville. There's like there's a line on Smallville where it's like he could see the lights of Metropolis from Smallville, which would make sense if I mean it only makes sense if he's Superman because no one else can see Chicago from Topeka. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, like Metropolis being Chicago was always kind of the the way it was in my head when I was a kid. It was like New York versus Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, to to me, Gotham was always essentially New York, and yeah. Metropolis was basically Chicago. But I do, I do like the uh, the Grant Morrison bit from uh, Manhattan Guardian, where uh, in the DC universe, the nickname for New York is the Cinderella City because it has two ugly stepsisters, which are Gotham <laughs> and Metropolis. <laughs> I always thought that was like a really good joke. It is if you think of Metropolis as being ugly, which I always thought Metropolis was supposed to be like beautiful and nice and futuristic, but well, you know. It's yeah. it's it's Lex Luthor's city. Yeah. Okay. So the next story, The Darker Knight, has Azrael in it, and it's story with it. Batman chasing Catwoman, and they're kind of doing that chasing and flirting thing that they do. And Azrael shows up and he's like no fuck this and <laughs> and like has his fire sword and grabs catwoman and and runs off with her uh and so batman has to say like okay you're taking it too far uh let's let's stop that batman goes back to meet 
Azrael, or actually Azrael shows up at Wayne Manor and threatens Alfred. <laughs> and somehow Batman's like, we could still be friends. After he threatens, he holds a sword to Alfred's throat. And Batman's like, all right, yeah, we can work together and, and find what you're trying to find. It's like a shawl, a stolen shawl, which is why he was after Catwoman to begin with. But Batman's like, we got to get you some new clothes, though. And he gives him the fucking NyQuest Batman costume. <laughs> that that good shit. That Joe Casada design shit. <laughs> Uh, then they go after Penguin. Penguin attacks them with a giant bird. Like a giant mutant bird. Uh, you talking about, talking about Penguin's owlbear that he has? Yeah, he, it's an Which owlbear. I guess is more of a penguin bear, but still. And after that, uh, they find where the shawl actually is. Well, Batman and Azrael, again, I think Azrael goes too far. Like, he, he uh, beats up Penguin too much. And so Batman, they kind of split up. And Azrael goes and finds this shawl that he's been looking for. Uh, Mr. Freeze has it, and he's going to use it to revive his uh, ailing wife, Nora. Dead. She's dead, yeah. She's dead. She has, she has, she has ailed as much as she can. <laughs> Which, again, I think that's a really clever story, too. Because you don't expect... You don't expect... Mr. Freeze to be involved in this because it doesn't start out as a Mr. Freeze crime. It's very fun. Well, it's yeah, it's it's not like Freeze themed at all. It's just yeah. he's trying to revive his wife. Yeah. And they seed it, like obviously it's seeded like very early on. Azrael's like, yeah, it's the the Shroud of Magdalene. It uh it has healing powers that you probably don't believe in, Batman. Because you don't you you only believe in science. You know, like the Spectre. <laughs> right. Who you know. Right, who you've spoken to. But by the time Batman gets to where Azrael has tracked down Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze has trapped Azrael in a giant block of ice. And uh, and Batman, Batman's like, all right, I guess I got to do this. And he kicks the table that Nora's body is on covered in the, the shawl or shroud. Which was shocking to me. It is a rare thing that we get like first person narration for Batman in the way that we get it here. Because Batman's like, oh, I really don't want to do this. Uh, this is actually a huge dick move, but he's going to die if I don't do something. Yeah. And so obviously Mr. Freeze catches the body and Batman figures out a way to like shatter his helmet so that he has to escape and finally freeze Azrael. Azrael gets the shroud back. They kind of agree to disagree about their methods. There's a cool moment where they're walking around in like the uh, Saint Dumas. Is it a temple? <laughs> I think they're just in church. They're just in a church. Uh, they're they're walking around and like. There's all this candlelight. They're Bruce Wayne and John Paul Valley at this point. But their shadows are Batman and Azrael, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's where I stopped reading. So So you skip you didn't get any of the Red Hood stuff. I mean, I got the Jason Todd stuff in the previous stories. 
but I didn't read Red. What is it? Red Sun Rising. Yeah, because I stopped at eight, at where the poll said. So the rest is up to you, my man. The Red Hood stuff on one level was like really disappointing. It's like when it's like if you're watching a, a Spider-Man movie or TV show or something, and Gwen Stacy shows up, yeah, and you're and you're just like. Oh boy, here here we go again with this. Because like it it should if people really wanted to be surprising and interesting. Like I, I thought this about the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. Just bring in Gwen Stacy and don't have her die. Like that's all it takes. Like people would be like, huh, interesting. I guess this this is different. But sadly, as soon as that happens, you know exactly how it's gonna go. Nine times out of ten. And that's the way I felt about Jason Todd showing up, because you know, you know me, Matt. I am not a fan of the Jason Todd returning stories in general. Yeah, they're not and, great. They're they're we we got two of them in the late two thousands. Yeah, and boy, he's just hung around. Yeah, and it's it's weird because it's become it's kind of become a big part of Batman in a way that I don't think either of us expected it to because we like you and me growing up obviously we were both alive in 1988 but like we didn't really have Jason like Jason Todd was always the dead robin for us but because that story was so big and because Red Hood is now an IP, it's it's a thing that happens all over the place in Batman stories. Like it's it's just yeah, Jason Todd, he's the Robin who you thought got killed, then he comes back, he's Red Hood. Like that's his deal now, which is weird to think about. This story does it it does about the best job of it that it can, I think. Uh, it, it hits a lot of the same notes of the uh, Return of the Joker stuff, like Harley uh, being like, hey, actually, we probably shouldn't murder him with a crowbar. Like like Harley being there in general. But it's also weird to think about this taking place in a version of Batman continuity where that will also happen to Tim Drake. <laughs> like, it's it's very it's weird. They're doing an X Men Forever on me, Matt. They're doing a they're, they're doing a, a John Burns fan comic that he makes and sells the originals for, you know, where they're like, nothing happened after the new Batman Adventures went off the air, like didn't really get. Any like the, no mention of the Justice League? He's not in the Justice League costume, the uh, the one with the antlers. Like none of the Batman Beyond stuff is is referenced. It's I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing to do this kind of continuity with this book. It's, it it would be like doing a a nineties X Men comic that you didn't actually tie into the cartoon. Everybody thought that's what you were doing. But that's not what you were doing, because you couldn't. Because Disney hadn't merged with Fox yet at that point in 2015. Did you stop at number 14? 
No, uh, the last bit is the Christmas story, which is about the ventriloquist. That has nothing to do with the rest of it, other than uh, the Joker is kind of the carryover character to that. Okay, I'm going to say then, let's stop at 14. Well, why don't we do this? You, you and me right now will rank Hardware and Mentors. If people want us to rank Red Sun Rising, because it is a complicated one to talk about, then let us know, and maybe we'll do that on the next uh, Every Story Ever special. Okay. Okay. Because also I think Red Sun Rising is probably going to go lower than the other two, because the Jason Todd stuff is so, so kind of hard to square. It is. It's. I will say, it is a better version of it than you usually get. I, th- I think it's a lot better than Under the Red Hood, honestly. Yeah, I mean, but, 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 you know, we don't have Under the Red Hood particularly highly ranked either. No, we do not. <laughs> All right, so let's rank the two stories uh, that we both read, starting with Hardware. A, a fun little brief Batman Adventure story with Lex Luthor. Yeah. The, the we didn't actually talk about the twist of the story. Like Lex Luthor has his Max Fleischer robot that's going around doing crimes, his crime robot as you called it. And then Alfred's like, "Yeah, I wonder who the co-pilot is." And Batman's like, "What are you talking about?" And Alfred's like, "Yeah, look at the like the the X-ray you took. Like that's a cockpit and then that's a second cockpit." And Batman's like, "Oh, no." That's not a that's not a cockpit. That's where he's using Superman as a solar battery. Yeah. Well, the 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 other part of it is like Batman realizes that it's not generating heat like it would if like it was like gas powered or something. Like there there's not like exhaust in the way you would normally get from like a robot cuz Batman knows all the engineering stuff about these kinds of robots. <laughs> I mean, it does. Listen, it pays to know. It follows, and so yeah, that's how he figures out. Like, oh, Lex Luthor has trapped Superman inside this robot as yeah, as a solar battery, and so Batman has to bust Superman out of the robot, which is a very cool reveal and a very cool moment. Yes, and also the 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 way he does it is by kind of shocking like shocking it with uh, kryptonite, which is a really, really good use of the kryptonite. It's not just like Batman beating up Superman with kryptonite. It's him going like, oh, I need to like force a hard reset on this. Yeah. That's a that's a good idea. Also, I, it's, it's seeded really well, because we hear from the beginning that Superman's been missing for a while. Yeah. Like, people assume he's just like, you know, off-planet or or off somewhere else in the world doing stuff, but he's, he's not around. And so it, it, it all like builds to that reveal of Superman being inside the robot really well. Where where do you think this goes? Uh, We can rank it against some other Batman adventure stories. That's probably the best way to go about it because I mean, like, again, I think this is a really, really solid Batman Adventures, like this would be a great episode of the show, I think, because it's got that big Max Fleischer robot. Yeah, it they don't they didn't typically do crossovers outside of that world's finest movie. Yeah, they really just did the one. 
Well, they did that, and then they did the one where Superman had to pretend to be Batman. Classic. Great. Great Classic. episode. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they, they didn't do it too often. Uh, so, okay. I don't think it's going to top our top Batman Adventure story. Uh, at 27, Batman Adventures number 10, the last Riddler story. At number 242, we have the Batman Adventures Holiday Special. It's probably not as good as that. Because that does have the Harley and Ivy story that's really, really fun. At 339 is Batman Adventures, the last Batman Adventure. That one's pretty good. At 543, we have Batman Adventures number 20, Smells Like Black Sunday, which is a threatening three-story. Not as good as that. I'm sorry to say it. Nothing in here is as good as anything with the threatening three. Well, then it's not as up to number 575, Batman Adventures number 30, the threatening three origin story. That's a very good one. It's a very good one. Uh, At number 607 is... Batman Adventures 24 Hours, The Harley Quinn Story by Dan DiCarlo. That one's pretty good, but I think we're definitely in the ballpark. Yeah, this this is this is the area for it, I think. Yeah. The next okay. Batman Adventure story is 765, which is annual number two, Demons. Yeah, it's, it's, it's better than that. So, back up to 607, 24 Hours, The Harley Quinn Story. Yeah. Uh, looking at other, like, Batman stuff that we have in this pretty big spread we have here uh we've got dead reckoning the good hush uh at number 713 yeah which i i don't think this is as good as that but i do think it's probably better than venom the story where batman can't deadlift 600 pounds all right that's at number 725 better than marvel godzilla marvel godzilla pretty good how great would it have been if the new, these new Godzilla movies involved Godzilla being six feet tall and wearing a jacket? I mean, it would be cool. It would be yeah. good. They, there's still time yet. I watched King of the Monsters the other night. It was, it was a hoot. Probably not that good. I like it more than Savage Dragon Volume 1, though. All right. So let's put uh, Batman, The Adventures, Continue... Numbers one and two, hardware at number 720. All right, how about the follow up story, Mentors? One of my favorite Deathstroke stories. It's better. It's better than hardware, I think. Yeah, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's a hoot. Is it better than that Harley Quinn story at 607? thing is, that one's got Dan DiCarlo drawing it. Yeah, it's good. You don't get that a lot. You don't get that all the time, Matt. You don't get that all the time. And look, sorry, you do get Ty Templeton drawing Batman all the time. I mean, it's good. I like Ty Templeton very much. I would, I would not say a word against Ty the guy, and you know that. But we see him draw Batman all the time. He's done a lot of it. All right, going down a bit, uh, at number 636 is Omega Effect. That's the Spider-Man Daredevil Punisher crossover. It's probably better than that. All right, uh, right above that is Daredevil Fall from Grace. 
Secretly good. Secretly good. Secretly good. Did not fall from grace? I I think I don't think it's I don't think it's mm, what's right above that, Matt? Right above that is Valiant Book of Death, which I think is better than this. Yeah, because that's got that uh that real good uh Pelarvera art. Let's put it between Fall from Grace and Omega Effects. Yeah, I think that's where it goes. At the number six thirty six, Batman. The adventures continue, numbers three through six, I believe. Mentors, and then finally we have the Azrael story, uh, which I will have to remind myself of the title of because I th- I think it's maybe the worst of the three of these, but still pretty good. Still pretty good, I think. Yeah, uh, it's it's like. Of these, I think it's the most forgettable, but that's not that's not a huge knock on it. The other two stories are just very good. The well, darker the is, night, the darker night. It's called. The problem is that it's it's one of those things where it's not quite what you want it to be because you want fucking Azrael to show up, but we've already got that story. So recasting Jean Paul Valley as just you know a dude that Batman knew when he was doing his Batman training. I mean, like again, that's pretty well trod ground for uh for like the the Batman animated stuff. And this is certainly not as good as Night of the Ninja or Day of the Samurai. Yeah, I I mean I mean I, I do think there's one potentially story breaking thing in in here, which is that after Batman runs Azrael off when he captures Catwoman, he immediately goes to Wayne Manor and threatens Alfred and Batman's just like, oh, you, you you sure are a darker knight than me. <laughs> Instead of just going off on this dude who held a sword to Alfred's throat. That's, that's, that maybe rings a little false, but. Um, yeah, but he's like, he's like, oh, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, he was just playing Alfred. Yeah. The the one we just the one we ranked first is at number seven twenty one, and I I think we're agreeing that it's below that, right? Batman Adventures Annual Annual Number Two Demons is at seven sixty seven. Very comparable, yeah, actually. Uh, and then Superman and Batman Adventures World's Finest is at eight oh eight. The the classic. Not quite what you want it to be. Yes. Yes. But, you know, but again, still pretty good. Still pretty good. How how do you think this ranks against either of those? It's probably... mm, I like... I think it's a very clever setup and a very clever way to get... Like, like, because it's... Working backwards from what we learned at the end of the story, it's Mister Freeze, hire, like telling the Penguin to hire Catwoman to steal this thing that gets from Azrael, which all makes sense in the context of that story, and I think that's a really like nice, that's a nice twisty way to get a lot of villains in there. I think good, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like the the use of the villains. I think some of the Azrael stuff is maybe just a little off the mark. 
how does it rank? How does it go up against Superman and Batman Adventures World's Finest, which we have at eight oh eight? Probably better. I mean, that's a story that's better in a different medium. Uh, that's true. That that comic is an adaptation of a story that, yeah, is is better on TV. I gotta say, I genuinely thought about just suggesting above Batman versus Predator, below Heathcliff from January 11th, 2017, just to see what kind of discussion that would get out of you. But at the end of the day, I think it's probably better than a lot of the stuff that's above that. Yeah. Uh, it's not as good as uh, transactional goodness or nailing the table, the two Calvin and Hop strips. I think it's probably not as good as Walking Dead 193, which is a wild uh, story. You want to talk about Twisty? Yeah, to talk about Twisty. That one's a hoot. Uh, which I think takes us to the giant turtle man from Jimmy Olsen number 53, which I think is probably better than. All right, so it's going to go with the list in the list of the number 786. Batman, the adventures continue. Number seven through eight. And that is The Darker Knight. I'll put in parentheses Azrael, so we know. And which numbers were those? Seven and eight. Seven and eight. All right. Well, that's that's it. That's that's that. We we've ranked those. We were not asked to rank the Jason Todd story in here, even though there are seeds of it in these stories that we've ranked. I could catch up on those issues, and we could rank it on the next special if our listeners so desire. If the people demand it. If the people demand it, we will do it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, please, if you want to keep these catch-up specials going, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash warrocketajax. Uh, as a Patreon supporter, you get ad-free episodes of all of our shows and other cool stuff, line-stepping privileges, and bonus audio, bonus writing, all kinds of cool stuff over there on Patreon. If you can't help us out on Patreon, leave us a review on the podcasting app of your choice, be that Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever it is that you use to listen to podcasts. We'll be back in May. Until then, everybody, good catching up. <laughs>